first week of the new year, final week of practice. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me, and it was not a good start to the week. We learned DJ Humphreys is done for the season and likely a good chunk of next season. What does that mean moving forward? Speaking of moving forward, the Cardinals are moving forward with Kyler Murray, not a surprise, and Michael Carter and Greg Dortch, they're showing they're worth moving forward with. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 717, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, half a five. He's in again. Some more Murray magic. Wow. Here's Craig Grealoux. A lot of news to catch up on. Not all of it good news, but help me with this, Danny. When does it become too late to say Happy New Year? I hadn't really thought about this until I saw it online. And I I saw online, apparently it's January 3rd, which is Wednesday, the day we are recording this. So I guess in that sense, Happy New Year, Craig. Happy New Year, Danny. Happy New Year, Cardinals fans. Happy New Year to all the Bird Gang. And I guess later in the week, we just don't have to worry about it. It's just 2024. Don't say it to me (laughs) starting January 4th. I don't want to hear it. Okay. Well, I, I I will say I do think it's funny when, you know, normal nine to five city or desk business jobs a lot of people go back to work on the second and seeing all these tweets online about oh circling back right since around thanksgiving the holidays circling back has like come to bite you in the butt and i'm thinking i completely forget that that's even a thing because we have (laughs) we've been here every day so i thought it was funny on seeing online everybody like well first day back at work nobody email me i'm not circling back i'm just gonna look at my computer screen all day i thought that was funny so if that's been if that's you're listening, and that's true. My apologies to you. I hope you made it through your first day back at work. There are certain professions, ours is one, in which Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, you're working. That's just the nature of the job and other jobs as well. So, yeah, you don't have that two-week break or that long weekend to spend with family and friends around the holidays. It's, again, not complaining. That's just what we Different. signed up for. So. All right. What we also signed up for, unfortunately, is dealing with some bad news on Wednesday. By the way, I was feeling good, still relishing the win coming off of Sunday's performance in Philadelphia. Our first chance to really talk about it. And then Jonathan Gannon sat in front of the microphone to address the media 10 a.m. Wednesday morning, as he does each and every week. Sometimes he begins with a question and sometimes he'll just sit down and, hey, I want to start with this. And that was the case on Wednesday as he began the press conference with some unfortunate news. Not that DJ Humphreys was headed to IR. I think we all maybe anticipated that, that Humphreys was going to miss the Week 18 game against the Seahawks. A knee injury late in the game on Sunday. Not much to play for. Don't push it. Just let someone else do it and go into the offseason. Well, not only is Humphreys going to miss this game, but Danny, there's a... Very good chance. In fact, I'll say 100% chance that he is going to miss a good chunk of next season after Humphreys tears his ACL against the Eagles. This is a big blow for the Cardinals. 
Humphreys had only missed one other game this year. He's a pillar on this offense. He's a team captain for a reason. Gannon has said multiple times step, step, since stepping foot in this building that Humphreys is the exact type of person and player you want to build a team around and that Gannon goes to him to ask him questions. Not having that type of leadership on the field, even though it's just for one game, but more so into next year, that's a big blow. And you're right, it's not so much of the concern of Humphreys missing the final game of this year, it's how much time is he going to miss next year? You look over around the league, you look at players on this team that have come back from ACL surgeries. Kyler Murray, Zach Ertz when he was here, Garrett Williams. It's on average, right? Nine to ten months typically, assuming surgery and, and everything goes well before we really see the player even have a chance at starting a game. So to tear your ACL this late is, it's rough when you think about that. And Gannon said it's a tough pill to swallow. Kelvin Beecham's going to go out to your left tackle spot. He's in a nice job filling in against the Eagles. He has plenty of experience there. So, again, it's not so much a concern for the final game. It's more looking ahead to 2024. Ertz was back in 10 months. Kyler was back in 11 months. 10 months, though, post-surgery. So that's the question now becomes, when does Humphreys undergo surgery? And then you kind of count down the months because it's not going to be September likely not going to be October, but it might be November for DJ Humphreys to her, to return. And then, okay, we speculate here on January 3rd, he returns. What position is he returning to? That's a good question. And in terms of getting surgery schedule, I mean, we don't have that information. Nope. It's likely that the staff here doesn't have that information yet because you have to wait for you know the swelling to, to go down before you can make those decisions. It was going to be a topic in the offseason, more so of your rookie right tackle, Paris Johnson Jr. has been playing well. Left tackle is his natural spot. Is it a consideration to move him over? That was, you know, going to come up at some point as the talks. But now that you're likely not going to have Humphreys, what happens at that position? Is that something that this staff wants Johnson to move over to the left at some point? And this is the opportune time for him to go out there and get those reps. Is that a position that maybe they see Calvin Beecham holding in the future? Is that a position that's going to be addressed in the draft or free agency? There's, it is, you're right, it, it's so early because it's so fresh when you're talking about all of the options. But I guess if you're looking for a silver lining, and, and not to say that Humphreys isn't still an option to, to work his way back and fight for a spot, but Cardinals are going to have a lot of decisions to make and a lot of different options when it comes to filling that role. And this is the cruel nature of professional Absolutely. sports. I mean, and he's the one of the best people in that locker room. It doesn't bring me joy to start talking about his replacement at all. But what is the first reaction? It's you hate it for the player, the person, and then it's like, okay, well, the season doesn't stop or wait for you. You have to continue. You have to move on. Here are our options. What do we do? And you can keep Kelvin Beecham as your left tackle next season. He's under contract. Paris Johnson's played well on the right side and has seen a lot of quality edge rushers. And that whole blind side, left tackle, is more important than the right tackle. I don't think that's the case anymore because a lot of those edge rushers, Amontez Sweat and Nick Bosa, TJ Watt, they'll go on either side of the line of scrimmage because they try to find either the weak link, quote-unquote, or they're trying to mix and match and maybe catch you off guard. So 
yeah, the left tackle has always been the premier position on the offensive line, but I don't think that's the case anymore because of the athleticism and the talent that's on the other side of the line of scrimmage. So, okay, keep Paris Johnson as your right tackle. Figure out what you're going to do on the left side. Is that Beecham? Is that a draft pick? Someone in the first round? I, 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 I don't know, and you hate it because next season would have been Humphreys on the left and Paris on the right, and at some point maybe Humphreys is no longer here and Paris can move over to the left side, and then you figure out what you want to do on the right side. You would imagine, especially with the draft capital and the expected area of where the Cardinals will have their own first round draft pick. It's not set yet. It'll probably be anywhere between 3-7, to 3-8 to eight range, depending on how the the last week of the regular season obviously pans out. You would imagine that having a prime spot, tackle would be something that was already on their list. The trenches, both both sides of the ball. How much does this change the strategy behind, I won't say scouting, but I guess the decisions there, right? Of We obviously won't know the answer, and to a certain degree, I'm not sure that general manager Monty Austinfort would know the answer because it's all hypothetical and the season is still happening. Let's say that the Cardinals were likely to trade down. Are you less likely now that you might see a premier tackle that you want that you don't want to miss out on knowing that Humphreys will miss a portion of next season? And is this the time you start to really move forward? There's, there's Again, it's early. There's a lot of questions, and the Cardinals have a lot of options at their disposal. It's a good point because as you evaluate what you want to do, free agency or the draft, okay, we have this high draft pick and we value the line of scrimmage, offensive line, defensive line, edge rusher, wide receiver, obviously, for obvious reasons. But because of the news on Wednesday, does all of a sudden offensive line already a high priority? But does it become higher because you're lost Humphreys for half a season and maybe again yeah you're under contract but again the cruel nature of this business is Humphreys even a part of this team in 2024 and if he is maybe it's just 2024 and not 2025 the big picture when you look at the draft and a front office that's what they have to pay attention to and discuss and it's the bad part of this business when you talk about the players in the locker room. It's the nature of the beast. I do think that even if Humphreys finished the season healthy, I think it still would have been a discussion about his future here and whether or not it is time if, if, again, we don't know if this staff wants to move Johnson over from the right to the left. Maybe they don't. Maybe Johnson's been playing so well that they want him. Maybe Johnson is really comfortable there. We haven't had a chance to have those conversations quite yet. But even still, I think it still would have been at least a discussion of when you have the draft capital and the prime spot for that first round pick. I do think tackle still would have come up in our conversation of not even necessarily replacing Humphreys as early as 2024, but also that depth and planning long term of how great would it be to have an offensive line when you've got two premier tackles for quarterback Kyler Murray. So I do think to a certain extent, it obviously would have been a different conversation. I do still think tackle would have been a conversation around needs when you're talking about this offensive line for building for the future this offseason and as well as Humphreys has played next season is year 10 and now all of a sudden age becomes a factor even though yes he's still very young younger than me 
older, older than, me. than you, though. <laughs> Slightly, but it still matters. Yes, it does. And that offensive line overall has been very solid. And I think an underrated aspect of this team, whether that's the offense, defense, or special teams, because the questions going into the season was, all right, your starting center, your left guard, and then, okay, can Paris Johnson handle the right side of the offensive line? And I think the answers to all of those questions, left guard's been more of a rotation than I think maybe Clayton Adams, the offensive line coach, would prefer. But by and large, you have seven, eight guys in that room that have played exceptionally well. They've kept the quarterback clean for the most part. And more importantly, as far as what offensive linemen like to do, they like to come off the ball and block defensive linemen, put them on their heels as far as opening up those rushing lanes for the running backs. We've talked throughout the season when we saw the Sparks for the first half of the season about the pass rush surprising us or the defensive line. I think that's a good point. I'm not sure we've really given the love that this offensive line deserves. When center Yelda Froholt signed with the Cardinals in the offseason, and he had, I think off the top of my head, four career starts at center in his time, and we're thinking, oh my gosh, you just got to, like, he has absolutely surpassed the expectations there. It has been good communication. It has been good snaps. It's been good blocking. You're right. The offensive line, when you're talking about the rotation of, we've seen Elijah Wilkinson, Carter O'Donnell, Dennis Daly as your left guards, and a whole other list of players dealing with adversity they have truly done a nice job of adjusting to that and really not seeing any major differences when you're having to plug different players in. Now, there have been times, yes, where they've been going up against some stout defensive lines and may have gotten who may have gotten the better of this offensive line. When you look at the season as a whole and the pass rushers and D lines they've been going up against, especially, I really think that this offensive line has done a nice job protecting the pocket and giving the quarterback some time to have have some options. Just look at some of the rushing numbers. Number six in the league, number two as far as yards per attempt, just under five yards a carry is what this team is averaging. Only once in franchise history has a Cardinals team finished with five or better rushing yards per attempt. That was 2019 at 5.03. Cardinals right now are at 4.99. You round up, it's five. And that's with James Conner missing four games. Yeah. And a revolving door at times at running back. And how about this? Let's talk about it because I know you had a chance to speak with Michael Carter on sideline exchange, but there's another pleasant surprise midseason. Wasn't sure what you were getting when you added him late in the year. And oh, by the way, not only is Michael Carter producing, he's under contract for next season. What a nice surprise as a one-two punch. I guess I should say one-two-three because Amari DiMercato has also been doing nice things when he's gotten the opportunity. It took a couple of weeks to get Michael Carter involved and really kind of see what he can do. To finish with 61 rushing yards, seven carries against the Eagles, a receiving touchdown, which he told me in sideline exchange, yes, it was his first career receiving touchdown. It was his 100th career catch which is wow. pretty cool. Okay, I didn't know that. But I feel like the skill set of Carter and Connor really complements each other. It reminds me of an elevated version of when it was Connor and Chase Edmonds, of Connor being that big, heavy, bulldozing running back that is going to run through players, and Carter being more of that agile, shifty player who is so slippery. He is juking out defenders. He is running through tackles. He's shaking off defenders. 
He seems like he has good hands and as, as a receiver. It's really been a nice surprise, a really nice addition for that running back's room and allowing Connor to have a break and having a running back go in and you're not missing a beat. When I was talking to Carter for Sideline Exchange this week for my interview, I was asking about how their skill sets complement each other. And I thought it was interesting that Carter told me that they actually have the same skill sets. It's just that James is much bigger than him, (laughs) which I thought was interesting. It's true, but it's interesting that at times it looks different but in in his eyes it's it's really similar in how they run the ball I just think that they they feed off each other really well and when given the opportunity Carter hasn't had a lot of opportunities but he's making the most of them in five games he's averaging better than seven yards a carry and I don't care if you're only getting the ball two or three times or you're getting the ball 30 times Seven yards a pop is a lot, and that's in a number of different ways. Yeah, he can run between the tackles. He can get to the edge, use his speed, and it's not like he avoids the contact. I think James Conner likes and maybe initiates some of that contact because he feeds off of it, especially if he can get a defender back on their heels or knock them down on the ground. But similar styles of running, it's just how physical and their body makeup allows them to do a little bit different things but what I do like with that comparison because Connor and Edmonds both great out of the backfield catching the football and you have to be able to have the hands to do that and then know when you do catch the ball how to make most of those yards after the catch and his juke putting that defender on his heels it's it's a, it's a video that I hope I wouldn't say go viral, but that he appreciates because it does say what Carter can do as an athlete in space. We got a chance to talk to Paris Johnson in the locker room this week. And I had asked him, when you're seeing James run through players, when you're seeing Michael juke out these defenders and have these big runs, I said, what goes through your mind? And he goes, I just look up and I think, don't go down, don't go down. He said, you know, I'll jog behind him. I'll put my hand in the air, cheering him on. You know, Kyler and I are usually the last two in the back watching him. He goes, but as soon as they go down, I'm sprinting to go to the next play. But he said, you know, until that point, I'm just waving and I'm cheering him on and thinking, please don't go down, please don't go down. But he said it's very cool and exciting to see them have the type of runs and plays they've had as of late. I need to catch my breath, just go a couple (laughs) more yards, and then we can reset for the next play. But, you know, this this is a great opportunity for the Cardinals offense. The run game, we're at a point in the season it has consistently been dominant. It's how they are finding success and creating rhythm. The Seattle run defense, not great. In fact, they are bottom third in yards after contact, rushing yards, and rushing touchdowns allowed. That is a great wheat spot against the Cardinals' hot spot. Six straight opponents have rushed for at least 135 yards And over those six games, it's a 170-yard per game average. And keep in mind, James Conner, 110 rushing yards away from his first career 1,000-yard season. Without knowing anything, Danny, my guess, my hope, is that Conner gets fed a lot. 26 carries last week against the Eagles. If he needs 26, if he needs 36 Yeah, it's not your body. Who cares how many he needs? But for him as a player and what he means, not only to the offense, but the team overall, you would love to see James Conner eclipse that 1,000-yard mark, and you know that the offensive line would love to see it. And I don't think there's anyone in that locker room, anyone in that coaching staff, front office, the fan base would love to see James Conner get 1,000 yards. Conner plays with the heart and the passion 
that you would want an entire team to be made out of. He is truly selfless. It is team first. When Connor signed his extension, the way with most running backs, right, one of the discussions is health. Is that worth the money if he has a hard time staying healthy? Connor missed four games this year with a hamstring injury. He missed the second half of that Bengals game. So really four and a half games. The fact that he is still having the year he's having, the impact he has had, it's been quite noticeable when the Cardinals have moved away from the run game and the lack of success they've had. He has absolutely earned the respect and and earned that contract he had. And I think that's what's impressive is despite missing time in the middle of the year, you come back and you're not only not missing a beat, you're playing better than you were before. And I think that is hard to do, and that's impressive what the, the numbers and production Connor has put up despite missing four games this year. And it's different because back in the day, you would have that one running back that you would consistently give 30 carries a game. That just doesn't happen anymore. But Connor is one of those old-school backs who needs those touches. He gets better as the game goes into that second half, into the fourth quarter, to where maybe that first quarter, two-yard run, not a big deal, but it leads to something in the third quarter to where that two yards becomes six or 16 or 26. You tire out the defense because you keep doing it. You hear Ron Wolfley talk about it a lot on the broadcast. Okay, didn't work, no gain, not a big deal, but keep doing it. Don't be discouraged by that particular play because if you're setting up for something later on in the game. Absolutely, and that was something we discussed after the Rams game. The Cardinals scored on that opening drive and Connor had four carries and then two more carries the rest of the game. Drew Petzing, the offensive coordinator, has done a nice job with the play calling and sticking with the run. And then that all goes back to the players on the field of sticking with the run and and not letting yourself get down if it's not working at the beginning of the game. Because you're right, it does seem like once Connor, you know, gets hit a couple times, hits the ground a couple times, he really gets going. So not good news on Wednesday about DJ Humphreys, but as we discuss here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, pleasant surprise, offensive line, pleasant surprise, Michael Carter. How about another pleasant surprise? And maybe not so much of a surprise, but just the fact that he is getting his best, his most consistent playing time of his career and that is Greg Dortch. And the fact that with this playing time, all of a sudden he has, and we've talked a lot about the sub-six-foot wide receivers on this roster, Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, Greg Dortch. Well, Hollywood's a free agent to be. Does he return? Rondell Moore, yes, he's under contract, but he hasn't been very productive this season. He's been healthy, I'll give him that. And then here's Greg Dortch, who always is ready at a moment's notice run the ball, catch the ball, and special teams. He's having one of his better careers as a kickoff specialist and a punt return specialist. And I believe George is an exclusive rights free Correct. agent, he's which not, means... He's not going anywhere as long as the Cardinals want him around. Right. George, we, we say this all the time, it's so impressive. He answers every time his number is called upon. He plays every down like it is his last. He had that first catch against... Philly right by the sideline that was it was underthrown it was low and he extended and made a great grab he had seven receptions on seven targets and honestly one of the most important was late in the game when he had that catch juked out a defender stayed in bounds shook off more defenders and put the Cardinals deep in the red zone which set up a touchdown he has just continued to perform and I know that it might not have 
been as consistent as fans would have liked over the years, including a little bit this year. It took him some time. It's just he was lower on the totem pole, and he has done a nice job on special teams, earning his role there week after week. It has been a really nice pleasure watching Dort, though, shine on the offense. Somebody that, when we get a chance to talk to, he went undrafted, he bounced around to a couple different teams, and so it's nice to see a player like that with that kind of commitment and dedication and passion really get the opportunity and making the most of that when and shining on the field when it's his time. All players want an opportunity, but what do you do when you do get that opportunity? And since week 11, Dorch has had 21 of his 22 receptions and 264 of his 266 receiving yards in the past six games playing at least 65% of the snaps. So Whatever, I wouldn't say issues, but what was ever keeping Dorch off the field a year ago under the previous coaching staff and earlier this season, it was always the consistency. Is he doing what he's supposed to be doing on a consistent basis? Does he have the trust of the coaching staff? And I think based off the increased playing time of the last couple of weeks, yeah, Dorch has earned the trust and the confidence in the coaching staff. Maybe more importantly, Kyler Murray to be on the football field in key moments. I do think all of that is true. I also think part of the reason we've seen such an increase in his snap count is because Hollywood Brown has been dealing with a nagging heel injury, which has now placed him on IR, so so Brown hasn't been playing. I do think that's part of the reason, again, of the totem ball. Now, when you have Hollywood Brown entering free agency and you have decisions to be made around your wide receivers, I do think that's a different conversation in the way that George has showed up. And I don't want to take away of saying, well, he is only playing because Brown is hurt. That's not true. But I do think that's a large part as to why you're seeing an increase in his snap counts. But again, you're seeing that from Greg Dorch and you're not seeing that from Rondo Moore. And that's because Dorch has been producing at a really high level. Michael Wilson's has also been out and that opens up a door, but you're right. Okay, there was an opportunity there for Rondell Moore to perhaps do more. And I think the coaching staff wanted to see him do more because he seemed to be more involved in the game plan early in games, especially out of the backfield. It just hasn't been the production has not been there. And again, you go back to the conversation about DJ Humphreys. This is this is a cutthroat business. It's what have you done for me lately? And can you help us win moving forward? And right now, again, on January 3rd, I'd put Greg Dortch ahead of those other two as far as the wide receiver position moving forward. I don't make those decisions, but that's... I think that's a fair assessment, though, when you're looking over at production and skill sets, right? How similar are player skill sets of can they offer you the same thing? And if that's the case, do you need multiple players with that skill set? Or do you just need one in that sense? I do think as we get really into the offseason because we're not even there yet. I do think it could be feasible financially to keep both. I don't necessarily think it has to be either or, but I do think that Greg Dortch has really made a case for himself, regardless of the situation with Rondell Moore, to stay here next year. And one more game for everyone to make a case for next season. Cardinals and Seahawks kick off on Sunday at 225 9.30 pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And I don't know if it was a pleasant surprise, but I do know that we did get an answer, at least from the head coach. Now, you can always change your mind. We haven't heard from the general manager. And I think there was an assumption about next season and the seasons after that regarding Kyler Murray. 
But now we actually have Gannon publicly saying, yes, he's my franchise quarterback. I think some of those, without saying it specifically, Gannon has said as much since he's been here. His actions have backed that up. But it still has been a question that I get a lot on Cardinal Talk because there is a section of the fan base that no matter what Kyler does, they don't want him around. But I think what we've seen over these seven games, soon to be eight, I think those questions that we had going into this season, coming off the ACL, is he the guy? I think Kyler is the guy moving forward. I agree. I don't think there's a question about whether or not Kyler Murray is your franchise quarterback moving forward. He seems to fit what this staff wants on the field in terms of his skill set. And honestly, if you didn't have Kyler Murray, you would be looking for the same type of attributes in any quarterback, somebody with the deep ball accuracy, with the power, with the ability to use his legs and scramble and be tough to take down. Those are all attributes that Kyler Murray has. So even if he weren't your quarterback, you'd be looking for those in somebody else. I do think that what you have seen from Kyler the last couple of weeks, really, this Eagles game, are the things you want to see from your quarterback. The leadership, the trust, the accuracy, all of those things. And I think when you're looking the season as a whole, even when he was rehabbing, a lot of the flack that he gets about leadership and things like that, it has not looked like that this year. And I, it doesn't seem disingenuous. It seems... Real. It really does seem like Kyler has taken that next step. So I guess I could understand why people would have a flack, but like honestly, not really at this point. Like the, he's doing the things that you would want from your quarterback. And you can tell that he is trusting his receivers and he is helping them get open more. I just think that there's really not a question. I do think, too, even if you're gung ho on Kyler Murray not being your quarterback, he can get you some wins and lead you to the playoffs in the next couple of years and you can still build around him or, or, you know, build the team in other areas you need. To me, quarterback is like the bottom of what you would need to dress in the draft or the offseason. Like I, I just, I personally don't really think there's a question of whether or not Kyler Murray is your quarterback moving forward. I truly believe Jonathan Gannon when he says that. It's the easiest path to success or get back into the postseason if you're the Cardinals moving forward is build around Kyle Murray, not start over from scratch. And that was the discussion even before this season. But I think, at least for me, I needed to see it. And that was starting week 10 with the Atlanta Falcons game and then moving forward. Has Kyler changed as a person? I think he has. I think we've seen that on the field, off the field, addressing the media, how he's handled himself. He's much more comfortable, confident in himself. And then it's, okay, the production. Don't look at the 4-12. and 3-4. and four. The season, I've, I keep saying this, Jonathan Gannon doesn't believe it, but the season began week 10 when Kyler Murray stepped into that huddle at State Farm Stadium. Since then, 3-4. and four. Not great, but you put pieces around him, put more talent around him, especially at the wide receiver position, find some defensive pieces, i.e. an edge rusher, maybe a cornerback, who knows what this team can do? And we've already seen Kyler lead this team into the postseason once. There's no reason why he can't do it again. Just look at the rest of the NFC quarterbacks. Not AFC, just around the, the rest of the NFC quarterbacks. There are not many quarterbacks that you would take over Kyler Murray. 
I agree. 100% I agree. To me, like there is no question. He has shown you enough on and off the field to prove that he is the quarterback you want to build around. And I also think he's the type of quarterback this coaching staff wants in their system. I, I, I do. I think his ability to scramble and have designed runs, his ability with the accurate deep ball, I, I, I just think he fits what this staff wants. By the way, speaking of quarterbacks, you see who's starting for the Cleveland Browns on Sunday against the Bengals? Not Joe Flacco. No. Jeff Driscoll. Hey! Couldn't see the field with the Arizona Cardinals, but goes from the practice squad to the Cleveland Browns and now Week 18 starter and maybe even potentially the backup in the postseason. You love to see it. That's great. By the way, there's another former Cardinals quarterback that's going to be seeing his first start of the season coming up on Sunday. This is before you arrived here in Arizona. Blaine Gabbert. Oh. 2017 with the Cardinals, and he is going to start for the Chiefs on Sunday as they take on the Chargers. No Patrick Mahomes for Kansas City. Yeah. Okay. Might be nice. By the way, the the Rams 49ers, it's an all-backup quarterback. It's Carson Wentz and Sam Darnold. That'll be fun to watch, huh? You can't watch that. We got Cardinal Seahawks at the same time. Oh, okay. I missed that. Sorry, it just went right over my head. Yeah, no one cares about that game right now. All right. Think the Cardinals do it on Sunday to get that first division win? Oh, against a divisional opponent? Yeah, Yeah, I, I think so. I think there is a really good chance that they could beat up the Seahawks. Truly, I do. Which would, in fact, keep Seattle out of the playoffs. And that's the extra incentive. The players have incentive for personal stats, and then there's just the fan base incentive and the organization. Yeah, it'd be nice, you know, the NFC West, three teams in the postseason. No, just knock the Seahawks out of the postseason. Right. Well, even if the Seahawks win, they still need the Packers to lose, correct? Correct. And they play the Bears, who have won four or five. They can also get in with some ties and all this stuff, but mm. yeah, that, just eliminate all that, just Beat the Seahawks and go into the go into the off season having won two in a row, and the Cardinals four and four under Kyler Murray. Yep, two twenty five kickoff. I'll Fun be there. stuff. I'll be there too. Good. You want to hang out? Want to watch the game together? Sure. Want to go like on some pregame radio together? Always exciting. Great. Just never know what to expect. I know. That's the fun part. Cardinals and Seahawks in Week eighteen. 9.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins, but the most important show of that day, 11 a.m. with the Arizona Cardinals NFL kickoff show. Damn straight, Craig. Just you and I. No one else. Yeah. We're, you know, the third person is, I don't want to say irrelevant, but <laughs> I, oh, no, I hear some laughs on the other side of the glass from our associate producer, Cody Fincher. Irrelevant. Can we cut that? Cut that. Okay. Nope, I did not say that. It's just a joke, third person on pregame that might find its way on air oh no you think i would have learned my lesson by now the end of the season not to say things like that 18 weeks and danny is still i might i might not have a job week one 2024 (laughs) it's been fun guys it's been fun well it is the start of a new year (laughs) new resolutions for danny not to make sure that she is voicing a drop for some pregame show i'm off to a bad start I've got to work on that. All right. 
something to look forward to on Sunday, Bird Gang. Never know what to expect to hear on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.